Welcome to Plan Empowered Fitness, a podcast for amazing, ambitious women like you who are ready to get in the best shape of their lives. Your host, nutrition and fitness coach, Tamara Marie, will show you how to transform your body with optimal plant-based nutrition and pain-free muscle toning techniques so you can burn body fat, shrink your waistline, and boost your energy without suffering through hours of intense cardio. In every episode, you'll get simple, actionable advice so you can thrive at 35, be fierce over 40, and fabulous at 50 and beyond. Here is your host, Tamara Marie. Welcome to another episode of the Plant Empowered Fitness Podcast. I am super excited to bring you my conversation with pro bodybuilder Nadej Corcoran. I met Nadej at the Mr. America competition in New Jersey last year, and she was competing in the bikini division of bodybuilding. So we're going to get into some of that in this episode to talk about how she even started competing, how she lost 70 pounds on a plant-based diet without exercising at all, and what she stopped eating to go from being pre-diabetic and overweight to being the healthy and lean bodybuilder that she is today. So I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Nadej. And as always, if you have any suggestions for topics you'd like covered on the podcast, please send us a message. You can either email me directly, Tamara at plantempoweredfitness.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A at plantempoweredfitness.com. Or you can send us a DM on Instagram at plantempoweredfitness. Okay, so now here is my conversation with Nadej. Hi, Nadej. How are you? Welcome to the Plant and Power Fitness Podcast. Hi, how are you? So I'm really excited to talk to you today because, um, yeah, we, we're going to get into a whole lot that I think is really going to help women who want to get in shape, but they don't have like five hours every Sunday to sit down and like plan the perfect week, plan their meals, get all their macros and all of that. So um, I think uh, you have a lot of experience with that, which we'll get into. So I'm really excited to share this with everyone because I think that I'm also going to get something out of this conversation as well. But before we get into that, can you just introduce yourself uh, to the audience for folks who may not know who you are? Sounds good. Yes, happy to do so. And I'm super happy to be here. Um, so as I said, I'm Nadej and I basically come from being non-vegan about probably I'm going to go about 12 years ago. Um I wanted to be vegan. I say I was genetically vegan because I was a tiny little child. And the day that I discovered that cow and beef was the same thing, I had like a panic attack. And I think a lot of children do, but mine was like a very severe panic attack. I was not willing to eat that. And back in the 80s, people thought you had to. So that's a bit of my background. Um, I am uh, not a professional athlete in the sense that that's not my job, but I do hop on stage very often for bodybuilding. I compete in the bikini category um, and I'm very proud natural athlete uh, and I've never built muscle without being vegan. So that's a little bit of background about me. Oh, so 100% plant-based protein. Because I know that is one thing I hear like a lot of people say, oh, that person became vegan, but they built all their muscle like eating meat. Like there's some difference in amino acids or something like that. 
I was severely overweight and not working out. And then I became vegan for two years where all I did was control my food to kind of get healthier, lost 70 pounds. Wow. And then I started working out. So there's absolutely no build. I mean, obviously I had muscle, like I wasn't just jello. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has muscle under the fat, but it wasn't uh, an effort of building muscle ever until after two years, I was already vegan. Okay, so I want to ask you about that. There's a couple of things you said that I found interesting. One is you mentioned this idea of like, you know, finding out that beef and cows were the same thing. And I think there is a lot in our culture where we'll say, oh, I'm eating chicken instead of eating chickens, right? Or not making Mm -hmm. that association that this was a living thing. And it's interesting that you made that connection. How old were you when that happened? And how did your parents and family react to like, you saying, I'm not eating beef anymore. I refuse. <laughs> How did that go for I was four years old, so it's wow. pretty young. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty young. And I hadn't really, so I have this fascination for, like, I love horses. My dad loved horses. It was kind of in our family. But I also loved cows as a result. As a child, I didn't really make a distinction between these two animals being any different. One is like an, an an animal that we um, spend time with and, and et cetera, where the other one we eat. Like I hadn't really made that distinction. So when I would see a field with horses and cows, I would be fascinated by both equally. Uh, and I loved all animals as a tiny child. Like I just loved animals. So the moment that, you know, when you're eating beef, it's so transformed. You didn't like go to the field, pick the cow out of the field. And like, it's so transformed that the child I found is disconnected. But the moment that that connection got made, it was, it was tremendous. Dramatic. Um, I, I, I actually have very little memory of a child, and I remember that being traumatic. And of course, my parents being in the 80s, they thought, well, you need protein right. and you need to eat meat. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like almost, I, I'd say, they worked it out of me <laughs> until <laughs> like eventually. I think chicken was probably where I, I hadn't connected, but I kept connecting more and more of these animals on my plate. And I think it was like a Cognitive dissonance is the best way to describe it. I I just buried the emotion so deep and then it came bubbling back up when I was older uh, and kind of able to make my own decisions. But also veganism is such an easy transition in the 2000s versus in the 80s. Way easier. I tell people that all the time. They're like, I don't know if I'm disciplined enough. I'm like, are you serious? There's an entire aisle in every store, even Walmart. That's like plant-based vegan food. And I'm like, when I started too, it was like, I had to like figure out what is a butternut squash? What do I do with it? And like, what? (laughs) I had no idea what any of these vegetables were, you know, and growing up for me too, it was like, and I'm curious as to where you grew up that you saw these like farms because like me growing up, it's like, you don't, you know, everyone, every kid doesn't grow up seeing, you know, horses and cows. And even if someone was to say, I ate horse meat, we would be repulsed, right? Or, oh God forbid, I ate dog meat. Like, People would say, oh, you're a you monster, but we don't make that connection. So where, like, tell me about like where you grew up and like how, how your environment was that you were exposed to these animals at a young age. Yeah, I'm in Canada. So I live on the, the shores of the East Coast in Canada. So the tiny little provinces in the Atlantic. Most of what we see, like we have, we have the pleasure of having both the inland and the sea. So I, I knew fishing I because I'm in a, from a fishing community. So very young, it was very normalized to, to see lobster or fishing boats and whatnot come back. Like that's very normal and it probably wouldn't have disgusted me as much as by habit like culturally it was in our culture but the cows 
um, we don't have farms like exactly in my town because it's really by the ocean and I don't think the cow would want to live there. <laughs> so it's more as soon as you start driving inland, which you do a lot in Canada, we drive long distances and say it's really close. I think the US, <laughs> you're the same. <laughs> People in Europe are like, that's not... Because of where you are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in, the U- in Europe, they always tell me two-hour drive is not close. I'm like, oh yeah, that's close. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to agree. Well, I don't depends. Like, I would say like two hours, I'd be like, all right, that we're pushing it. Like, that's about as far as I'd go to consider it. That's like, right. A decent drive. But yeah, any more than that, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. So, so, all right. So you, you talked about like what initially you made these connections of like, all right, I don't want to eat these animals. I'm really connected to them. And then you also talked about being overweight. So can you talk a little bit about your journey? Because I know a lot of people listening are struggling with weight or struggling with eight as weight as you're getting older. It's like, ooh, it's like the closer I get to 40 or 50 and, and like that the M word, right? Menopause, like women yep. are concerned, like my waist is starting to expand. I'm eating the same things. I'm still exercising. What is happening? So can you share a little bit about your journey from, you know, losing 70 pounds? And then from there, we'll talk a little bit more about how you got into bodybuilding. That's right. Well, this is really interesting. I think that I was eating all of the foods and I have a family that has diabetes in their genes like our weakness I would say is diabetes my grandmother passed away in her 60s from diabetes like it, it's it's prevalent um, and so I love sugar and sugar uh, is often accompanied by eggs and dairy in most of the baked goods out there mm-hmm. so I would eat I could sit and eat an entire pie in any one sitting. But I think that because I didn't want to eat the meat, it was subconscious still there. Mm-hmm. I was gravitating toward carbs, mm-hmm. constantly carbs, but also refined carbs, because once you have some of it, you just want more of it, especially if you have a predisposition to diabetes and your blood sugar is not regulating properly. Yeah, no one's All craving oatmeal, say, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I want the pie and the cookies. I want more potatoes. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so then I think because of that, I would eat a a lot of like pastas and things like like everything I would eat was on the carb side of the the spectrum because I didn't really ever want to eat that protein. So it was really as soon as I started controlling my own food. Um, so in university, the weight just started creeping up and creeping up and creeping up and creeping up and creeping up. And I didn't really have that understanding of where dairy and eggs came from. So I wasn't really in in the frame of mind of even just subconsciously not wanting it. It was really just about the meat mm-hmm. and. At one point, I was, you know, 70 pounds more weight than I should have been. And I said, I need to do something like about this weight gain because I was calculating and I'm a very numbers oriented person. If I'm gaining five pounds a year for the last 20 years, like what is that going to do in 10 years? And I was adding that up and I'm like, this is I'm going to be way too heavy and I'm going to be sick. And and I was diagnosed pre-diabetic by that point. Uh, so it was I was heading in that direction, but I did feel a little bit doomed, like I had no choice. It was just going to happen because that was my lot in life. My yeah. genetics was just going to make me do that. So then I started, um, I watched the, the, the movie Forks Over Knives. And that was like a pivotal moment in my head. I thought, oh my goodness, that four-year-old kid that wanted to eat differently mm-hmm. is the key to what I'm living today. And I always said, to make a change, you need to do something that's going to be sustainable for you and not eating meat 
was very sustainable for me. I never wanted to do it in the first place. Right. So forks over knife became that thing that I'm like, okay, I can do this. And then I started learning about dairies, dairy and eggs. And then I thought, okay, if I don't eat dairy and eggs, it wasn't about the sugar. I thought I'm not going to eat dairy and egg. I'm not going to eat meat. All of a sudden I wasn't eating sweets anymore because uh. <laughs> there aren't many <laughs> vegan bakeries out there. Right. And so the weight just started dropping and dropping and I was eating way more fruits. And so I was getting like that sugar fix from like fruits and, and things like that. And then suddenly I started losing a pile of weight and I thought, oh, this is working for me and it's very sustainable. I'm not hungry because I was eating very voluminous, voluminous foods mm-hmm. and the rest yeah. is history. So swapping out pies and donuts for like, some strawberries and <laughs> that's right. Yeah, as soon as you're not eating dairy and eggs, it becomes very limiting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting yeah. you say that because I, it was that way, right? Probably when you started, but now there's like all these vegan bakeries oh, and junk food. Like there's vegan donut places that will deliver. It's just, and I think that's why it was so much easier when it wasn't as popular. And now I think it's almost harder. It's easier to transition, but it's harder to transition in a healthy way because you have all these options. So I think it's like this double-edged sword as, you know, vegan diets become more popular, plant-based becomes more popular. There's businesses looking to capitalize on that, like anything else. They're like, oh, let's make this, let's make that. Let's give you the sensation of what you're missing. And then you end up like in the same position. That's why a lot of people are like, but I'm vegan and I haven't lost any weight yet. It's like, well, what are you eating? So that's, that's really, right. really interesting. I think that's been a shift that's gone on in the community overall. So, but it sounds like for you, you didn't do a lot of like what a lot of people do. They're like, they'll either join like Weight Watchers, they'll have all these point systems or they're tracking their food really, really tightly. It sounds like you just made a couple of swaps and you gradually over that two years lost that 70 pounds. Yeah. And I think that that main reason for that is because the the calorie, the over calorie intake is again, you and I both know there is no magic recipe for losing weight. Right. Eat less than you burn. It's that simple. Like there's literally no magic. There's no macro combination that you require energy in, energy out. Like that's the basics. If you could capitalize on that. But as soon as you make swaps of pies for fruit, you're changing your calorie intake significantly. Yeah. <laughs> And so I was probably like, it wasn't necessarily in a deficit. And I always said, it's not about the weight you'd lose, but it's also about the weight you didn't gain. So I knew how much I was tracking in terms of weight gain year over year. And so every year at the end of that year, when I had lost, because it was still gradual, I wasn't just celebrating the pounds lost. I was also celebrating the pounds lost plus the pounds not gained. And I think that's an important perspective. When people can just stop the weight gain, that's already something worth celebrating and I think people forget and lose sight of that when you're on a trajectory of weight gain you definitely have to uh to consider that no I like that I think a lot of people do discount that I don't think I even think about about it that often because it's almost like when you're in triage like we got to stop the bleeding first right like we want to get to an optimal state it's like stop the bleeding (laughs) stop going in the wrong direction because yeah you're right if you can maintain for some time that is a victory as well and then also, your body needs to be in a healthy place to, to let go of that fat. And some people don't realize that. It's like, we want to like kill ourselves. Like, I'm going to do this four-week cleanse. I'm just going to eat nothing. I'm going to fast for like 89 hours and only, only drink lemon juice. And then it's like, your body's like, wait, what are you doing? Um, and all that stuff affects your metabolism. And so we don't realize. So I love the fact you did it gradually and you celebrated the lack of like going, continuing to go in the wrong direction. I think that's great for mindset. It's probably why you're able to stick to it, even though it was gradual, 
you didn't get like these dramatic results right away, but you're like, all right, this is working. Like I am not on track to get diabetes anymore, right? Like I'm sure that was also motivating. That's right. I think that was another big piece is that there was like uh, physical markers that were changing as well. And again, that's another thing that I think we neglect paying attention to, like resting heart rate or some of those like physical markers of health. Like I'm not pre-diabetic, it's going backwards, you know? Very cool. Yeah. And I think health is another thing. Like there's definitely a difference, I think, between focusing on your overall health and lifestyle longevity and then looking at performance or aesthetics. I think those are like two very different goals. So I'm curious, once you got your body at this healthier place, what on earth made you say, I'm going to go up on stage in a little bikini and some clear heels? Um, Because I I made the decision too, but I'm always curious, what was it about bodybuilding that attracted you, especially to the bikini division, which, you know, is like, I think much more playful, I'm a little more girly, I would say, than some of the other divisions. So what drew you to bodybuilding um, in the first place? And how did you get started? Oh, this is this is interesting because, again, it's one of those like gradual things. Uh, so I come from being a child. I was in individual sports, never team sports. So everything I did was by myself. So a lot of swimming and things like that. So always by myself. So I'm going to go back to where I had lost all the weight. I had, like most women, when you lose the weight, you're like, wouldn't it be nice if I was more toned? Mm-hmm. That, that's the, the infamous, <laughs> let's get toned. Yeah. And you don't realize that you're just saying, let's create more muscle density uh, and let's gain muscle. So I started going to the gym to add that second part of, of health, which is not just eating well, but also being physically active. So I thought I need to do that and I'm going to try to find something that I like. So I landed very randomly in a CrossFit gym by myself. And I started going to CrossFit, which looking back, I'm thinking, how is this person that had never worked out a day in her life ended up in a CrossFit gym? Like this is not a, like, it's not Not starting easy. No. And, and I really liked it. Like I had, there was really good coaches in the, in the gym, but there was always that comment about the meat, which is what eventually drew me out of it. I was like, I can't talk. I can't talk about this anymore. Like I'm, I was just fed up. So I started going to CrossFit to get more toned or healthy because I knew that was the other component of health that I might be missing. And then I was seeing my body change and my strength increase. So to the same factor that I was saying when I was eating better, like my diabetes markers was improving. Then I was seeing that my resting heart rate was getting better and I would be able to lift heavier and I was not getting out of breath in certain activities that I would have normally. And so that started getting really encouraging. So then I started shifting towards like more of a normal gym, I would say, and with a personal trainer because the CrossFit was starting to be an environment that I just didn't want to be in. And I know there's a lot of CrossFit athletes out there. They're mentally very strong or they have a very supportive CrossFit community, (laughs) but I couldn't do the whole meat comment anymore. So I left. And I was getting married uh, about about six months after that gym session, uh, gym planning. And then it was motivating. I found like I want a certain look in my wedding dress, right? Mm-hmm. And it was very, very motivating. And then after the wedding came, I started thinking, well, this is kind of not as motivating. Like I don't have a target. I don't yeah. have. And I, I said to my coach, I my trainer, I said, I, I wish this was a sport. Like if it was a sport, I feel like I could like compete in it and I would get excited like a runner going to run, but then eventually going to a race. And he said, well, it is. And he (laughs) talked to me about bodybuilding. He said, that's 
basically what you're describing because it's still very individual. It's just you going up and doing your thing. And he said, you know, but it's about muscle symmetry and muscle mass and all that stuff. So it's basically the culmination of having built muscle. So I went to a show and I saw what it was and I was like, oh my goodness, I want to do this because this is the ultimate way to show people that you can build muscle because you're looking at muscle. That's the right. that's the, the sport is you're looking at muscle. And I just wanted to have that platform where I'd be able to share that you can build muscle on plants. And I knew I was an actual example of never having eaten meat to build muscle. So I started in figure, to be uh, to be fair. I didn't start in bikini, so less of uh, a little bit more mechanical posing. Yeah, and yep, that's where I'm. That's where I'm living. <laughs> that's right. I did. I did okay, but I compete in a, in divisions that are not tested. And the size, like I could see the girls growing year over year. The girls that started with me, like they were just flying, and I thought, I can't. I can't do that. Yeah. I can't. So it, and I thought, nor, nor do I want to, right? Like, I think at a certain point, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> the aesthetic at that point is is like, do I, do I really want to look like that? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But I was so naive, Tamara. I really thought that it was just genetics uh, at that yeah. point in my life. I just thought like, that's it. It's just, I'm not built like that. Mm-hmm. I just, I thought that's it. I can't. I can't add five pounds of muscle in three months. I so it's genetics. I thought that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think to so some I, degree it can be because I, I mean I did have those newbie gains as well. So I do have pretty decent genetics, but I know there's a cap to that. Like it, and to do it year over year, like you're somewhat at that pro level, usually they're getting some assistance, especially for women because we don't actually produce that much testosterone. So I think now they're even calling it like testosterone replacement therapy which I know is a lot lower dose than like just straight steroids, but I mean, come on. So like, yeah, there's a lot of, there are a lot, there are people are getting a lot of help chemically. So yeah. That's right. That's right. So I chose to try bikini and it was only a few shows that I didn't figure. And I, I loved it. I love the freedom of expression that lives in that category yeah. where you can kind of do a lot more of what you please, I guess, is, is the right way to say it, because there's a lot of room to kind of play around with your posing and play around with like your jewelry and having more or less of it or the colors or the like just the I mean, you have the color of the suit as well and the jewelry, but there's just more, I guess, freedom of expression I found in bikini in terms of your posing. So I was oh, yeah. able to switch fit pretty seamlessly and it just fit my personality. Yep, that was the word I was going to use too. There's a lot more personality, I think, in bikini. And you can see it, right, on the stage and just the stage walk. And uh, for me, I think, like you said, starting with figure, like my first show, I was like terrified. I was like, oh my God, like I like I might even be able to walk out here. So I was even thinking about like trying to be, you know, have this in- individual routine and like, what am I going to I was like, can I just go out there and not fall on my face with these like four inch heels? <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> I have modest goals, but now, but now I can, now that I've been in it, I see, I'm like, oh, that, that is kind of nice. But I still like, I think I'm just built for figure, honestly. Like my, my physique is just, it's a figure girl. So I'm not going to fight that. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Nadej. Now we talked about so many things. We are going to actually continue our conversation with her in our next episode. So make sure you are subscribed right now. Click on the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast so that you can hear part two of our conversation. Nadej is going to share 
And I actually thought this was pretty mind-blowing, but how you can stay on track with your nutrition. So hitting your macros, which is your protein, your carbohydrate, and your fat intake. How are you able to hit your macros without doing meal prep? Now, I know a lot of you who are busy moms or just professionals or just busy with life, right? And you don't want to spend two hours in your kitchen every Sunday preparing your meals for the week. Nadej has some awesome tips that will help you hit your nutrition goals, even without doing extensive meal prep once a week. So again, make sure you subscribe. We talk all about that in our next episode. Until then, I'm wishing you a happy and healthy week. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Plant Empowered Fitness Podcast. Connect with us on Instagram at Plant Empowered Fitness. To find out how we can help you meet your personal health and fitness goals, go to plantempoweredfitness.com. That's plantempoweredfitness.com.